Hello, and welcome to the Catholic Duluth Show. The Catholic Duluth Show is a parish community podcast serving the parishes of Holy Family in St. Lawrence in Duluth, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Daniel Rota, and I will be your host. With me, I have Father Ryan Moravitz. How are you doing today, Father? I'm doing well. It's feeling like a pretty normal day in terms of like running from one thing to the next. Yeah. So, you know, in the midst of the stay-at-home stuff, it's it's running from one Zoom meeting to the next, and you know, running over here to be able to do the podcast with you. And uh, so, yeah, I'm doing well. Um, it's a full day. I'm, I'm going to be going steady until about four, and then okay. that's kind of been the routine. Is like been pretty steady with meetings and like phone calls and work and stuff until about four o'clock um i've set up i got a nice little kind of office space now at the house so i've just been working from the rectory um and uh i know stephanie's been working from the office and so have Ginny, but just to kind of like kind of play it safe or whatever and yeah um so i've just been doing everything from over there and kind of br- i even brought my computer over there and got my laptop and so anyways i've been working till about four and then the evenings yeah then that's when, for me, yeah, I mean, it hasn't been, like, I'm used to being alone, so it's not a big deal, but I'm not used to not being able to, like, go over and hang out with people, you know, a few times a week, yeah. you know, because I like my, as a priest, I just, I, I've grown to appreciate and enjoy that, like, the evenings by myself and stuff like that, that's not a big deal, but it's getting, it's getting, you know, yeah, you know, like, you kind of, like, I miss hanging out with people, you know? Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, no, things are good, um. You know, we were just talking that, you know, my, my dog Cutter is now a daddy. So uh, uh, we uh, the people that we, we frequent a f- particular pheasant farm um, in the area and have for a number of years, and they've watched Cutter through the years, and they just have always loved him and loved how he works out in the field, especially when he's hunting and stuff. And um, so they had, a, they had a female that they were going to have some puppies with for more hunting dogs and to be able to get some of their hunters hunting dogs. And so... So yeah, we we bred him and Cutter's dad now. They we had nine puppies on Friday this past Friday. Congratulations! Thank you, thank you very much. Uh, so <laughs> I think they're all doing well. It sounds like so, um, so kind of a fun little little thing going on. So and there's a you know okay, let's talk. How are you, Dan? I'm good. You're I'm good. good. I'm good. Um, there's there's big news in your life. There's big Facebook news in your life. There, there, there is big Facebook news in my life. I saw uh, it on, on on Facebook this morning. I was like, look at that. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm I'm dating somebody. I'm dating so, somebody. Yep, yep. Her name is Tara, and she'll be very glad that she gets a shout out on the on the podcast. On the podcast, yeah. Tara, you are great and very saintly for giving Dan a chance. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, I mean, we we've been dating for a couple months, but yeah. this is just like the I don't know, put put, put on Facebook. So um, yeah, now you know everything's blown up. So yeah, now you get the you know you get all the Facebook congratulations. Yes. And, yeah. You know. yeah. But I mean, I mean, who who would have known? Because we, we've been quarantined for. I mean, I don't know even how. I don't even know how long at this point. So, um, so it's just it's just kind of funny. So, <laughs> no, it's really great. No, just in terms of, I know I've watched you guys kind of grow in your relationship here a little bit, and yeah. I've gotten to know her a bit, and uh, you seem like a really really good fit. And yeah, well, thanks. You know, both fun people, reasonable people, you know, loving people, faithful people, all that stuff. So. So yeah, I'm very happy yeah. for you. Yeah, thanks, Father Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Tara, you too. <laughs> um, but uh, it w- it's kind of funny that um, you, Cutter had had puppies, also because um, I over the weekend I was like I, I I got to the point in the quarantine where I was thinking to myself, maybe I should get a dog. 
Yeah. You know? So a little bit of, bit of advice, okay? Never make a big life decision in the midst of hardship. It, it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> True. Fair. Get, get, always make big life decisions in a place of like some normalcy. That's fair, but this is the perfect time to get a dog. I, I'm home all the time. Yeah, I mean that that when you get a puppy, you kind of got to be home all the time. I mean, I know where you can get a puppy. <laughs> I was just like this, this might this might be divine providence. Um um I think you should pray on that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this, it is a it is a rule of discernment uh that we talk about like with seminarians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that like if you're in a really low or a real high, like it's not the time to discern inner like if you're going to leave the seminary or something so like it's it's always like if a guy's really struggling on some levels or he's like in just a a low point it's like well get out of that low point a little bit and come back to or something tragic has happened you know like there's there's a particular kind of a struggle or something um maybe a, a loved one you know passes away or you're sick or something like that i don't know but a lot of times you got to kind of make sure you're at a place of like some normalcy, so you're thinking right. You know? I, th- I think I'm thinking so, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you, you uh, dogs are lovely. Puppies are a whole different ball game. So I mean, <laughs> uh, well, um, well, uh, I guess do you want to open us in prayer before we? Yeah, look, we can get say, get too far because we could probably say a prayer. That happens sometimes. It does. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for for the love that you show us, um, especially in this Easter season. We thank you for uh, the past couple of weeks, for Holy Week and for Easter and for the Novena to Divine Mercy and Divine Mercy Sunday and just the many ways that you desire to show us and reveal to us your love. Lord, we, we praise you and we glorify you. Lord Jesus, you who are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, you who are our Savior, our Redeemer, you who died for our sake and rose from the dead and ascended into heaven and, and sit at the right hand of the Father, we praise you and we love you. Lord, in faith and trust, we surrender our, our days to you. We surrender our difficulties our difficulties to you. Lord, in a particular way today, I just ask for your healing to be upon our hearts, upon our community, upon our nation, upon our world, Lord. We just pray for healing in these days that... Uh, all the different forms of healing that need to take place. Um, one of this virus, but also just within our hearts. Lord, we praise and we glorify you. Help us to be able to, in this time of maybe being alone or isolated on various levels, to to be healthy and focused on you and our, and our relationship with you. Holy Spirit, come and, and just ask for your anointing upon our conversation and upon anyone who will listen to this conversation this week and just ask for your blessing upon them in a very special way. Mother Mary, as always, we ask that you who are always present with our Lord Jesus, that you just intercede for us and pray for us. We pray all of this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Uh, thank you for that, Father. You're welcome. Um, so, uh, I guess we can chat a little bit about uh, what's going on this week, but I also kind of want to think or talk a little bit about uh, what happened last week because we had the we did the Divine Mercy Novena, yeah, uh, which which was a, just a really cool experience. Yeah, it, it, it was. I mean, it was fun to be able to kind of do that with people. Um, 
in uh, like a, even like a more united way than if we weren't in quarantine, you know, because people, people would probably just do it by themselves or people would, you know, some people would come to the church or something like that, but most people would be working yep. or something like that. So it was just cool to actually like have a bunch of people jump online to be able to do that together. Yep. I think, uh, so two things about that. One, it was, it was, it was really great to be able to like kind of be united each day at three o'clock and, and I'm um, praying the, the novena together and also to be able to do that with a variety of people leading it. Um, I just really enjoyed being able to pray with some different people throughout the week in that kind of a way, you know, so we had some guests, you know, you and I led it, I think the first day, right? I think so. I think it was the first day. You know, a couple of times I did it by myself, but we had the handmaids one day. Um, we had Sister Christina um, from Poland and had a long conversation with her and heard her story. Um, I just enjoyed it so much because as a friend, I just appreciate her a ton and um, very, very inspired by her. Um, she's hilarious. She is. She's, su- she's she's a firecracker. Oh yeah, she's just super authentic and like, you know, that's one of the great things about her is. Remember the first time I kind of talked to her, she had a full year where she basically it was like the second year with the order. They have a full year where it's like no contact, you know. So they kind of like really separate from the world and they they just enter into the religious life. And I remember thinking like, okay, she there was an expectation like she was going to somehow be somebody different. And um, I think that's been one of the beautiful things for her family, too, and for all of us that know our friends. Like, she's still Christina. Mm-hmm. Like, she's still, like, which is really good because she's such a good person. Like, But you get in your head, like, if somebody becomes a religious or becomes a priest, like, they suddenly aren't, there's somebody different. Well, no, there's there's growth, you know, and there's there's some probably letting go of some things. But she's just so herself still, like, which is just so, mm-hmm. so amazing. Um so yeah, so that was that was really great, and um, you know, I knew you and Karen led it on that the day that I took off on that Friday, yep. um, and then was able to um, on Saturday led it on on my own, and then Sunday we we prayed the chaplet for the Divine Mercy Sunday, which was really a great experience with adoration and the painting fell. I don't know if you oh, heard no, that. I, no, I didn't. So on Sunday we had prayed it too, and then during the holy hours, towards the end of the holy hour, I was outside in the garden. And the divine mercy image fell. Oh no! <laughs> but anyway, so I kind of rambled here, right? I think one of the neat things too is is kind of saying, well, how how do we grow? Maybe as a parish and even as a staff, in terms of how we're uniting and evangelizing and praying together as a community, and you know, this is kind of teaching us maybe some of the new normals might be like doing some things like this via Facebook and online live particularly things like the chaplet. You know, how can we kind of um, innovate in this time and, and create some new opportunities moving forward, too? It's kind of helping us see, like, well, actually, it's something like the chaplet. might be something nice that people can easily tap into without having to come to the church, you know, necessarily. Um, now, mass, confession, all those other things, that's a different thing. Like, that's a whole yeah. different conversation. But I think we're finding ways that actually we can... We can do some neat things moving forward, even when we're not in quarantine, you know? Yeah, yeah, like this is, uh, yeah, it, it, it's kind of a, it's it's a cool experiment a little bit. Yeah. You know, just for like some of those, yeah, the it's like, oh, we could actually use this later. Later, yeah. Like this, this makes sense. This yeah. is cool. Yeah. So. Because I even think of like, you know, some of the, like, the interview with Sister Christina, I was like, boy, we we could do this with in a lot of fun ways. I've got a 
buddy in Romania who's a priest. The Romanian right priests, um, they have a married priesthood, and they're in union with, they're, they're Catholic, but within their right, they also have a section of married priests, and he's one of them. I'm trying to convince him to do a Zoom interview with me, um, not live, but we would record it and then I'd post it. Because it would be just fascinating to hear about his vocation, what it's like for him to be a priest and a dad and a husband within their Romanian rite and what he can and can't do. You know, it's it's similar to our diaconate in many ways, um, but it's it's different. Uh, anyways, but he's worried about his English, and I, I just got to get okay. him over it. So. <laughs> but I just think, like, those are yeah. things, like, suddenly you start thinking, like, well, what are ways that we can share the faith and have these conversations, and it doesn't necessarily... You know, it can be in some different formats, especially nowadays, and it can be so local. It doesn't have to, you know, mm-hmm. be, yeah, yeah. just, uh, I'm an idea guy, too, so my brain's been, like, on, you know, high gear of, like, oh, we could do this, we could do that, <laughs> so. Um, so, what what's going on this week, though? So, this week is a kind of a pace week, you know, um, you know, the last two weeks we, we did a fair amount, you know. Um, so this week we're kind of just taking a step back and doing some of the normal things that we would do. So it's just going to be 8 a.m. Mass um, on on Duluth Catholic, Catholic Duluth on Facebook. And I'm going to continue to do these little noon updates I've been doing on my Facebook page. I'm going to be able to just, if there's something new each day, something that we want to get out, and that it's just a consistent thing and people are watching, but it's also a way to just kind of connect daily. And I'm, I'm not taking it too seriously, you know. I'm sharing some things too, and show and tell every day, and uh, yeah, that that that's been a, a surprising surprising like mainstay for the for the noon updates. Yeah. Is, is the show and tell? People love the show and tell. They do. I mean, there's there's like one day or something that I didn't do it, and I, <laughs> I got a bunch of messages like, "Father, don't stop the show and tell. It's like the highlight of my day right now, and I need it." I'm like, <laughs> "Okay, <laughs> people have problems." No. <laughs> No, it's not, so I've continued. It's been fun to be able to share a little bit of my life with yeah. people and people get to know me better. <clears throat> but, you know, so we're going to continue to do that. We'll have 9 a.m. Mass on Sunday as well. Um, you know, Women of the Word met on Monday at 11. Um, they're going to continue to do that on Mondays. But this week there's not a whole lot going on. We're just kind of, it's a, it's a pace, pace ourselves week, I think. And we're going to try to collectively i'm going to try to get the staff together just for a conversation to say what do we want to do here in the next couple weeks and you know moving forward to it are some of the ideas we have uh keep saying you know it's a marathon so we're 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 pacing ourselves too and in terms of what we're doing and yeah yeah great um well uh this week on the uh on on the podcast kind of want to bring up uh, uh a topic that I've been thinking about a little bit and uh it was actually so last week I I'm trying to remember who brought this book up cuz I've been th- trying to think about it and um and it, it came up just in like uh we have a a young adult like Catholic group here in Duluth and uh we had like a happy hour uh one night and it was someone on there brought up that she was reading uh this book and I read it in the fall and it's called He Leadeth Me by uh, Father Walter Chiswick, um, and Father, you you've read this book. You said like back in the day. Yeah, I probably read that. Um, I was in seminaries at the NAC, and we were we were planning to go for Easter week up to Russia, 
And actually, we did. We went to Moscow and St. Petersburg, and I knew we were going to be doing that over Easter. We weren't allowed to come home over Easter. So anyways, I, I know I read it around then, so it was probably 12, 14, yeah, 15 years ago. Okay. Because um, we, yeah, we were going to be going to kind of some of the things that were mentioned actually in his first book, um, uh, With God in Russia. Yeah. So. Yeah, and so um, so I wanted to kind of bring this up because I think it, it, it's it kind of translates to kind of where we're at right now. Um, so this priest, Father Walter Chizik, he's, he's from the U.S. originally. And when he was in the seminary, he was, uh, he, w- he was a Jesuit. So when he was in the seminary, you know, a lot of the Jesuits are missionary priests. And so they needed priests to go to Russia. And him and some of his buddies were like, okay, yeah, that sounds awesome. Let's go do that. So they went over and they studied in, in Rome to go to Russia. And like right after they got ordained about to go to Russia, that's kind of, um, I think that's when like Russia was really trying, like starting to grow and kind of shut things down. Um, I mean, it was like right before World War II, I think, right? Um, and so um, and so basically they weren't allowed to go to Russia. And so instead uh, he ended up going to Poland, but then Poland got invaded. <laughs> and so... Uh, and so they kind of had to disperse there. And so he actually, like him and one of his really good priest friends were like, well, let's go to Russia. <laughs> so uh, so they kind of snuck into Russia. Um, but then shortly after that, they got uh, they got found out and they got arrested. And um, they were like accused of being Vatican spies, but, which, you know, they weren't. But they were they were, you know, trying to go to go and be a missionary to these Russian people who. Um, you know, we're basically being force fed atheism and, you know, like, uh, and so, um, so he got, he got arrested. He got, he went in, I think like solitary confinement for like four years and he got, uh, he was basically just getting questioned as like a prisoner, um, cause they thought he was a spy. And then after that, he, he went to a, a work camp for like 15 years and then, he spent a couple more years just like in Russia um, as like a free man, but he couldn't leave Russia. So not completely free. Uh, and then eventually he found his way home. Um, and I don't exactly remember when, I, I, how I think, I think he like wrote some letters and they like, maybe did like a prisoner exchange form or something like that, but kind of a, just a crazy story. And um, I haven't read his first book with God in Russia, but I read this one. Um, so he, he wrote um, the two books. The first one was kind of more of a, um, from my understanding, it's more of like a, hey, this is just kind of like what happened. And then the second book, He Leadeth Me, is kind of his spiritual journey through this, you know, like like 23-year stretch of being basically alone in Russia. Yeah. And it's a super awesome story. I'd highly recommend it. Um, but I want to kind of bring it up because obviously we're not in prison like we're not in work camps, uh, we're not in prison, we're not in solitary confinement, like, completely. Uh, but some days it feels like it, <laughs> and you know probably probably everyone's had uh, one or two, maybe three weeks full of those days where they kind of feel like I'm like I'm trapped and I don't know what to do, and um, and just kind of you know feeling uh, just it, like like you're just in, in a weird spot, and so. Kind of want to bring his story up, talk about how he um, continued to to live out his faith through that, through the ups and the downs, and um, and just kind of how he came out of it with this uh, really awesome story of just like faith and trust. 
Yeah, I think it's, um, and I love that you brought this up and, and want to talk about this today and share it with folks because I think we can at times, you know, kind of get into a dark place in our heads uh, about the current situation. And I, I think that there, there's certainly like all these different aspects of, you know, politics and economics and, and you know, societal things going on. So those are those are separate, I think, from what we're talking about in terms of this experience of being isolated or alone or in a time of loneliness or, or hardship and what do we do with that and so um and also some perspective too you know so i mean we're going to get some examples i think from an extreme situation yeah and it can give us some perspective to go okay i can do this i'm not in an isolation cell in russia <laughs> You know, and people survived virtuously in those situations. I'm at home on my couch. I'm going to be okay. This is hard, but I'm going to be okay. Like, I can I can handle the not being able to go and be with people, you know? And so uh, that's, a, that's an important thing in terms of when I'm just talking about dealing with kind of the loneliness that maybe we're experiencing or the sadness within that or sort of the feeling like I'm imprisoned and I can't go mm-hmm. do what I want to do. Like, that's tough, right? So how do we how do we deal with that and how do we walk with that and walk through that? So sort of like almost, let's compartmentalize it, I think, here a little bit too. Because, yeah, we know there's other factors too that, you know, we're not downplaying this, but it's also giving some perspective in terms of how are we going to, how are you going to deal emotionally, I think, spiritually, mentally, as we continue to walk through this time of stay at home. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, and I, I think um, I'm trying to think of what it's called, like the the, the circle of influence. Is is that um, there's there's this uh, I don't know this idea called the like circle of concern versus your circle of influence, and it's kind of the things that you're concerned about, and then the things that you can influence. Yeah. And so basically, like, what can you control? Yeah. And so um, yeah, kind of taking that step back and be like, okay, how like what what's going on in the world that I'm concerned about? Which there's you know probably plenty of things for everyone, but then looking at them like, okay, well, which, which one of those things can I actually control? Which is very few of them. That's right. And so, but think about, okay, here, like here I am, you know, whether I'm working from home, taking care of like the kids 24 seven, or maybe I don't have anyone at home with me. Like what, what can I control to, to make it through this? And, um, and I, I think like a big part of that, uh, especially from kind of reading this book and seeing like how, how Father Chizik kind of dealt with that. Um, a couple like big things. One is prayer. I mean, that's that's kind of I think the staple for a lot of things. Um, and then he ha- he talks a lot about um, also work. And then um, I mean he kind I mean kind of kind of goes with, with the prayer, but uh, sacraments and so mass. And so. And I think I think those would kind of be a good three just to kind of talk about. I'm going to put this mic down so I can pull some of the book up. But uh, but kind of starting with prayer, because I know like for me, this is a time where you know when I'm at home, I have plenty of time, but my prayer has been has struggled a lot more than when I have less time. Yeah, because it, it, it is funny. Like a lot of people will struggle with like with you have so much time maybe on your hands, but 
suddenly you don't you get lost in that you know because it takes you out of routine or structures um it also takes you out of like community too that oftentimes you know our prayer life is generated from our community life you know we go to mass at the church or we come to adoration at the church and that leads to us going home and being able to pray at home as well or, or some of those aspects so you, some of that's ripped away from us he would have experienced that as well so so share a little bit about that yeah so um so he's kind of i think th- th- this is the part of the of his story when he's in solitary confinement so you know there's really no one around him and he doesn't really know what time of day it is he doesn't really leave his cell other than like to be interrogated and he really has no resources, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't have really any resources, um, and so um, really, he, he kind of talks about um, the importance of like setting time aside um, for prayer. Um, which I know, like for me, is like is like, and probably for everyone, it's like, okay, well, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> but um, but then uh, I'll I'll just kind of read this this paragraph. So he says, uh, very often uh, the time we have set aside for prayer passes simply in a struggle to com- control our restless mind, to collect our thoughts and focus our attention upon God, which I identify with that. Yep, me too. <laughs> I'm right there. Yep. Um, but it is helpful and consoling on such occasions to remember two things. One, that God himself has initiated this conversation by inspiring us to set the time for to set aside the time for prayer, and two, that he appreciates our efforts to respond and he blesses them. Which is incredibly simple. But I think at the time for this, like kind of when I was looking back through this and saw this, I was just like, you know, that is extremely like like a very kind of simple, simple thought, but very much needed right now. How, you know, like... Because you know, I think sometimes when we think of prayer and think of, okay, I have all this time, what am I going to do with it? It's like, you know what? God just wants us to set that time aside and that like, and to think of his like his initiation and that he appre- appreciates us just, just showing up. It's like, you know, I, I can show up right now. I don't know what else I can do, but I can show up. Yeah, because we can sometimes put too much pressure on ourselves going into prayer. And um, and then put on guilt because boy I didn't pray very well during that holy hour this time, and it, suddenly it becomes about what I can do and what I am doing, rather than and that that's that's not being able to have some freedom in the in the prayer as well. And so I think being able to sort of step into it, I think there's freedom in that, you know, and, and there's not pressure. Yeah, because God is just grateful that you're taking some time, you know, to to sit and be, you know, with Him. And that, that's such an important factor, I think. Um, and not to beat ourselves up because, you know, I didn't do it good enough or, you know, I wasn't attentive enough. Like, oh, okay, you know, you want to you wanna try to wrestle, calm your, calm your mind, but oftentimes putting pressure on oneself doesn't calm the mind at all, you know? You got to let go. Yeah. Um, and then kind of, kind of going prayer, going, uh, talking about prayer, kind of working, I guess, just kind of into mass. So... Um, when Father when, when Father Chizik was in solitary confinement, you know he couldn't really say mass, um, but he did just say he he basically just said the prayers of mass because he had you know a lot of the prayers memorized, so he just w- went through the mass and just um, said the and just just said the prayers, which I, I I thought was like you know that's like I could totally see 
so, you know, like if I was in that position, <laughs> just being like, okay, well, I can't, I can't, I can't say it. So why even try, you know? Um, or, you know, for me, even during this quarantine, it's like, okay, well, I can't go to mass. So, you know, if I can't have the real thing, why should I even, you know, watch for like, well, when it comes to like daily masses, like I've definitely had that thought, you know, from time to time. Um, but then also when, when he got to the work camps, you know, people would smuggle in bread for him and every single day they said mass in between their 15 hour work day, which, which reading that for the first time I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> If he can do that, I think I can, you know, show up to mass. Yeah, because one of the things about that is you can sulk in what you can't do or you can thrive in what you can, right? I think that's where my brain goes. Is like, yeah, you can yeah. end up sulking in what I can't do. So he could have sulked in like, I can't say mass, you know, and then done nothing in the sulking. Or he could have gone, and he did, well, I can still say the prayers, even though the sacrament isn't there, it's still a prayer of offering, and I know those. Um, I can still do that. And so you, I think it's a great example that you just give, too. Like, well, what can I do in this situation? And I'll do that. And I'm not going to sulk because I can't go to Mass on Sunday at the church. I'm going to rather take the advantage of, well, but I, I can join people, for instance, online and and still participate in the action and in the prayer and, and be connected, right? So... I think his example is that super good one. I've often thought too because of his story, and there's a there's a story of a Vietnamese cardinal um, who also he he was years in confinement, and oftentimes you know didn't have a missile or didn't have bread or wine. They would smuggle it in sometimes for him, but he would do the same thing. And these guys are both 20th century people, and the Vietnam um, the Vietnamese cardinal is actually even more recent, but. I used to think if I was ever in confinement, would I have enough memory, uh, enough of the mass memorized? I was like, it'd probably take me a week to like just remember and like try to, if I could write it down or whatever, and just remember what exactly the words were throughout the whole mass. So think of the Eucharistic prayers. Like, could I write down the Eucharistic prayer right now from memory? Especially the 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 long one. Is that is that number one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, could I do that? (laughs) Maybe. <laughs> I think I could get two down. That's the short one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know we're kind of coming to time here, so well, it's um, quarantine time. People have more time on their hands. Yeah, exactly. So you guys can sit and listen. Um, but w- so one part that I'm, I'm glad I'm glad I marked this because I totally forgot about this until I opened the book up. Um, but one of the big things that he went through of when he was kind of talking about like what can I control and what can I not control, um and kind of relying on prayer and relying on God during this time is that he, um, um, he, he talks about like how to be able to kind of survive it, it demanded absolute faith. And uh, that was definitely like a little, uh, I was like, ooh, <laughs> you know, I was like, ooh, uh, may, I, I think that this one is resonating with me <laughs> right now. <laughs> Um, because he, you know, he talked about, and I think I've definitely had the, these thoughts before of like, oh, you know, like God, I've, you know, I'll, you know, I've given you so much, you know, I've given you this, I've given you that, I've given you, you know, whatever it is. And you were kind of talking about this with St. Faustina on Sunday, um, about like, um, just it's like, oh God, like I've, you know, what else could I give you? You know? And then, 
Um, but then he kind of goes on to talk about how, you know, he's, he's in this prison camp. He's, you know, he's, he's doing his best to kind of, you know, just trust God and give him everything. And um, he goes on to just talk about how, um, like, when he thought he was kind of giving God everything, he, he found more and more, like, the times where, like, he was still trying to hold on to his own will. And, um, but then kind of through the process of these, like, you know, years of basically, like, purgatory on earth, um, the more and more he was realizing, like, no, like, I'm still trying to find my will in this situation, you know, in my own kind of, like, what I want to happen and how I want this to go. And, um, and that was something where I was just like, ooh, yeah, that's, during this, like, time of quarantine, I find myself going from these different kind of mindsets of, like, um, of what, like, oh, I should, you know, um, I should use this time to, you know, get ahead, to, like, work on some, like, fun stuff, some, like, side projects, or, like, whatever that is, and, like, oh, you know, I should use this time to just, like, relax, and, like, recoup, or, you know, whatever it is, and, uh, kind of going through all these different things of what I should do, but I don't know if I've asked God nearly enough, like, hey, God, what do you want from me in this time? Like, how do you want to draw me closer to you? How do you want me to, um, use this, this extra time that I have? Like, you know, like that was something that I was like, I have not, I've asked myself that plenty of times. I have asked God that none times. (laughs) You got a quote from him in that? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find the exact quote. So you, you, you work on it and I'll, um, (laughs) I'll fill a little bit of gap because if you can find it, I would love to hear it a little bit more out of the book too. Um, yeah, it is sometimes letting. I mean, there's a lot of letting go that we have to do and allow the just trust, you know, trust in the Lord. Um, but also, there's some ty- there's some dynamic of being intentional. You know, we have to be intentional in the midst of this time too, especially with our spiritual lives. But um, I'm amazed as well that the examples that come out of World War One, World War Two era of Catholics who were in some really, really, really tough situations, and you know, they uh, there's some great things that came out of that. So, did you find it? I did. I did. I found. I have. So I, I have many parts of this like section underlined, and so I was trying to find the right one, but they're all great. So I'm just gonna share them all. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, um, so this is, uh, uh, this is kind of the first one. I'll just kind of go down the list. It's pretty much like all the same paragraph. Um, but when this is kind of when he was starting to realize that like, this is going to serve like to survive it kind of, he needed, it demanded absolute faith. So he talks about, he needed like faith in God's existence in his providence in his concern for the minutest detail in his power to sustain me and his love protecting me. It meant losing the last hidden doubt, the ultimate fear that God will not be there to bear you up. It was something like that awful eternity between anxiety and belief when a child first leans back and lets go of all support, only to find the water truly holds him up and he can float motionless and totally relaxed. Love that. Yeah. Just this, like... um, you know, thinking about like God's concern for the like just that smallest detail, and um, and kind of like letting go of that fear that He's not going to be there, which 
I understand that. And then he kind of goes on to say, like, of course we believe that we depend on God and that, like, his will sustains us in every moment of our life. But we are afraid to put it to the test. Is that true or what, right? <laughs> uh, amen to that. <laughs> we're afraid. To, we are. We're afraid to step out on the mm-hmm. stormy sea, right? So um, then he kind of goes on to say, I knew I could no longer trust myself. And it seemed only sensible then to trust totally in God. I had talked of finding and doing his will, but never in the sense of totally giving up my own will. Yeah. Because so oftentimes we're like, yeah, I'm going to follow God's will, you know, with my will. Yeah. And what does it mean to really surrender and totally let go and trust in divine providence and let God's will just happen? Yeah, it's a, it's a big thing to learn. You know, one of the, the handmaids, you know, they really tr- strive to live by that too. And uh, so they oftentimes are a really good example, at least for me, I know, of that, of that letting go of my own will and uh, not directing God's will with my will and saying I'm walking in God's will, you know, so. Yeah, I think there's there's a part of me sometimes where it's like, oh, well, like, how does, like, why would this not be God's will? Like, this is, yeah, this you is know, good. this is, like, I'm, I'm smart, this is good. Yeah. Um, how would he not want this? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But then, uh, and so, so there's so many times where I, you try to conform God's will to my will, but it's like, no, that's not the way that it's go that it yeah. goes. It is a dynamic of like, okay, my will can be good, but God's will is always great. Yeah. You know, so like, yeah, okay, that that's good, that's fine, but like, God has something maybe great in store, and that's that's where we we miss out sometimes, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and so I, I think that's something I know for me this week is kind of my homework. But I, I would, you know, I think challenge all the listeners to just to think of like, okay, well, how, you know, have I asked, you know, God, what is your will for me during this time? You know, how how do you want me to grow? How do you want me to, um, like, how can I serve others? How how can I still, you know, focus on you? And um, and yeah, how do you want me to use this time to to, to grow as you know a human, but also just as you know, in my relationship with you. Good. Why don't you give him the name of the book and the author again? Yeah, so uh, it's called He Leadeth Me. He Leadeth Me. Um, and it's uh, Father Walter Chizik. So the last name is C-I-S-Z-E-K. So Father Walter Chizik. And he wrote, so he wrote two books, With God in Russia and He Leadeth Me. I've only read He Leads Me. Have you read both of them? Yeah, I read both of okay. them like 15 years ago. Okay. Actually, kind of as me sparked it. Maybe try to read read that one again, especially the He Leads Me one. Mm-hmm. The Alone with um, uh, Alone with God and uh, with, with God with in God Russia. In Russia. I, don't know, I always want to put alone on there, but um, uh, is more of a yeah biographical, like an autobiography, kind of like his story of what happened to him. So. And then the he leadeth me is more a spiritual journey. Yeah, and I'm—I mean, I'm—I'm I'm sure with God in Russia is great also, yeah. but uh, I would definitely recommend he leadeth me. Um, I think especially during during uh, this time of uh, just weirdness, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. of 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 uncertainty and everything like that. I th- well, the first time I read it, it was like every page challenged me in a new way. Where I was like, oh, well, yep, that like I. <laughs> I need to grow a lot after reading this book. So it was, it was, it was great, and I would highly recommend it. Good. Good. Well, thanks, Dan. Yeah, thank you, Father, and uh, thank you, everyone, for, for listening. We hope you're doing well. We're praying for you, and 
Uh, yeah, we will uh, talk to you next week. May God bless you and may Jesus Christ be praised.